Welcome to Dietitian Boss. I'm Libby Rothschild, your host and fellow dietitian. I'm a coach to my fellow female colleagues all around the world. I help you get leads and turn prospective clients into paying customers using online marketing and social media strategies that focus on sales. Hello and welcome. I'm here today with Maggie Mahalchek, who she is a registered dietitian, nutritionist, and recipe developer who stands out on social media by positioning herself as all things pumpkin. I love what Maggie's doing by using a pumpkin to help her stand out, and she's an advocate for self-love, body positivity, and she works as a recipe developer and media dietitian. She additionally offers personalized coaching for nutrition. Uh, Her tagline is a love of food, nutrition, and pumpkins, of course. And you can find her at Once Upon a Pumpkin. And we connected on Instagram. I'm very happy to have her here today on the podcast. Did I leave anything out? No, I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Excellent. I'm thrilled to have you. So I was wondering if you could tell our audience a little bit about how you decided on pumpkin infusion with your brand. And um, as you know, I just love how you use uh, pumpkin to help you stand out and position yourself as unique. I think it's just a a really incredible way uh, to stand out and um, be seen. Yeah. So while I like to think it was, you know, a strategic decision that I made right at the beginning, um, it was actually just, it started by way of loving sharing all things pumpkin and finding that there was this community that got so excited when I posted something new that I did with pumpkin, or maybe it was a new Trader Joe's pumpkin product. Um, and so really it, it became, it, it began through just my passion for trying different things with pumpkin, really going beyond just pumpkin pie. And then really intertwining that because I I started this Instagram account when I was in my dietetic internship. So then as I evolved, became a dietitian and really, you know, started to take shape in the nutrition world with, you know, what I was learning, I began intertwining that into all things pumpkin. And um, I mentioned to you previously, but at first I was like a little scared that just, just being pumpkin was going to hinder me because it was too specific or, you know, they wouldn't take me seriously because it's just like pumpkin, which is like so funny or whatever, you know, whatever it might be. And so I was like a little afraid, like, Ooh, like, am I going to have to change my name? Will will people, you know, take me seriously as a dietitian talking about other things. If I claim that I'm just like pumpkin and it's kind of like fluffy quote unquote, if that's what people think. Um, but that has really not been the case at all. So niching down, really claiming pumpkin as my own, which I'm so passionate about. So it really does come naturally, um, has only helped me in, in all of my endeavors as a dietitian so far. That's incredible. And what I love about you and pumpkins is that it really is truly infused through your brand from your profile picture on Instagram to the content that you post in the color scheme to your website and the story that you tie in about, is it your dog that's named pumpkin? Is that right? Yeah. 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 So your dog named pumpkin and um, it looks like professional photos taken with pumpkins in the background and like a beautiful, like rust color, like complimentary color shirt to match the backgrounds. And it all tells a story that's visually appealing and eye catching and it's just fun. 
So I love that you've taken that concept and you've really owned it. You know, it's one thing to say, oh, I'll adopt a, a concept. And it's another thing to truly own it. And I feel that you're doing that year round. And I think it's really fun. I think it's just a really cool edge that you have. Thank you. Yeah, no, really, when I leaned into it, and honestly, I was like, so excited to take pictures in a pumpkin patch. I was like, we need to do that. Like, that's what I need. Because it just felt very me, like the whole season kind of gets me very excited. So I really did want to embody that because I do, I do think it's a time that people look forward to. So leaning into that and claiming that as my own, especially with all the all things pumpkin going on, um, I think has really helped me to stand out. Absolutely. And so I just a couple follow up questions with that. What the first question is, how did you come about? I know you said you started your uh, Instagram when you were in your dietetic internship, which is incredible. I think that's very innovative and, and cutting edge to start earlier on in your career. And um, what made you decide to niche down to pumpkins, number one? And number two, how do you leverage off season to help you still stay relevant when pumpkins are not, when it's not fall? Yeah. So I'll, I'll start with the second question. Um, so that was something that I feared. I was like, the first, um, the first year that I was fully working for myself and pumpkin season was over, I was kind of like, okay, January came and I was like, ooh, like, am I, that's kind of when I asked myself, like, am I going to have to change my Instagram name? Like, should I pivot to something, you know, kind of like more, you know, a different nutrition name that, you know, tip, typically like is out there on Instagram or something like, should I kind of like blend in in that way? And then like I had fear going into that because I was like, how am I going to like work this in the off season, if you will? And, and honestly, I continue to sprinkle pumpkin things in year round, which may be a surprise or maybe not a surprise to you, but people love it. Like, you know, there is a strong following and people will enjoy pumpkin stuff all year round. So that has been fun. And then really just flexing my muscles with other nutrition topics and other recipes that I'm passionate about. I've, I've been lucky that the community was very, has been very accepting of that. So it's allowed me to be, you know, creating recipes that don't involve pumpkin, but are equally as successful or people are enjoying them as much as they love the pumpkin stuff. And then really now around this time and when the fall comes, it's, you know, 100% back to that, those roots of all things pumpkin. So it, it keeps it really fun. And it's been working for me. So, <laughs> so in the off season, yeah, I'll do a little bit of pumpkin stuff, but then ramp it back up, um, in the fall months. Yeah. And then your other question in terms of neat, how did I pick pumpkin and niching down to that? So again, like the Instagram started as a way to just share the pumpkin things that I was finding. And, and I, I didn't come into it necessarily with like any expectations of it. And I really wasn't sure how I was going to, to translate it, you know, after I, my dietetic internship and when I start, started seeing other people on Instagram who were more broad, let's say, you know, with all types of foods. And so I did feel like, ooh, like, did I make the right choice? But again, like, pumpkin was born out of a passion of mine that I was like, ooh, like, let's see if we can do this with it. Let's see if we can do this with it. Like, how would this be? And so that passion, I think has allowed me to not only not get sick of it at this point still, but, you know, keep it new, keep it fresh, get, and, and that excitement, I think, translates to the community. 
Incredible. It absolutely does. And I, I love that you sprinkle it in your round. So in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, in the fall, you go full force. And then, you know, spring, summer, and all the other seasons, you still have that as part of your brand, but it might be less obvious. Like you said, you sprinkle it in. So I think that's a great way to get your audience excited and keep that theme, but also be mindful of when it's full force theme and when it's a little bit more where there's still undertones to you advocating for pumpkins. So I think that's yeah. really cool. Very cool. It'll always be like part of my messages or part of like, you know, definitely one of my like legs, if you will, of yep. the business. So yeah, year round sprinkling it in, um, keeping it in there because I know people like it, but then knowing when it is full force. Yeah, that's great. And I, I also think audience likes that. Because it gives them something to look forward to. So it's almost like you're teasing pumpkin on the other seasons. And as we all know, pumpkin is definitely a fall favorite. So it's great. Wonderful. Can you tell us a little bit about media work? I know you are a media dietitian and you work with a lot of huge rep- reputable brands. How did you you know, get to being featured by Shape and Women's Health, Cooking Light, CNN, Los Angeles Times, and what tips do you have about visibility strategy for dietitians who are hungry to work with media brands the way that you have? Yeah, so I love talking about this topic, and um, I will say, like, I don't think that if there's one overnight solution that's, like, a perfect fit to get you into the media, um, my experiences and, and what I saw kind of worked with me go back to pumpkin. So because I have this niche and I'm specialized in pumpkin things, um, when the fall rolls around, I was lucky enough to get an opportunity with an editor who was writing for one of these outlets, and that's honestly how it started. So she wanted me to help her on a pumpkin article and, and really I was able to, very lucky, to able to cultivate that relationship and stay in touch with her, which led to other opportunities with other media outlets. Um, So flexing those pumpkin muscles in the fall allowed me to create those relationships that have worked year-round to be able to contribute to these media articles and also to be on TV here in Chicago and to work with brands and represent them in the media as well. some of that has started through pumpkin, started through pumpkin. And then um, as I went on and we, you know, it wasn't pumpkin season, we were still able to work together. And I think positioning myself as, yes, a pumpkin expert, but but also a nutrition expert um, kind of gave me this leg up on two, two places. So because they knew that they could look to me for some pumpkin things, and we had cultivated the relationship. It led to working together year-round. So it all started with some pumpkins. <laughs> it did. And I think, you know, it is such a small world. Obviously, the dietetics community and the dietitian world is a very small world, too. And it, mm-hmm. it is important, I think, to make really good connections and strong relationships because we all know that that leads you to the next project or, you know, opportunity. And so I think it is the same for entering kind of into this media realm too. 
I agree, and I think it's that's a great message about this world being small and the need for connections and helping each other out and also remembering to have your own voice. And if you don't have it now and you're listening, I hope you're inspired to think about or start that journey because it doesn't have to happen overnight. Uh, as Maggie said, she started this feed and she started her business messaging. It sounds like even back sharing your message in your dietetic internship as you allowed yourself to evolve into what you are today, working with brands and doing recipe development. And I'm guessing that building that voice took some time for you. It did. Absolutely. And, you know, I will say too, that I did look to other dietitians as mentors. I did reach out, you know, I, I didn't figure this all out on my own. And I, I was lucky that they took the time, you know, answered my questions. And then from there, you know, step by step, I kind of reverse engineered my own way to get into the media and that was by way of pumpkins as well started out in the fall that way and then kind of grew from there that's wonderful and when you say reaching out to other dietitians do you um i'm assuming that you have some media connections who are also similar to you media dietitians do you go to events um are you at fancy this year mostly because i want to meet you what else do you have um what else do you particularly do Uh, is it just through social media connection or do you do kind of in-person stuff with other dietitians yeah, absolutely. So I have gone to Fancy. Um, I'm on the fence on going this year, but I think I probably will go. Nice. Um, and yeah, I would say, you know, turning any opportunity. I'm lucky because Chicago has a lot of networking events as well. So attending those and meeting people and making connections. Um, also, anytime I'm on a trip and there's other dietitians that do similar things, it's so nice to chat and connect. And I think the more we share information about kind of like our path to success or our path to doing what we love and how, how we got there, that can only help not only the future generation, but, you know, people currently who are looking maybe to niche down, maybe to get their name in the media. So I'm all about sharing that type of information, sharing like what helped me and what worked for me, because again, it, it wasn't overnight, like it, you're going to have to work on it, like work, work it. And, uh, Yeah. Incredible. And just one follow-up question about that. When you say networking events, and I know Maggie, for those of you listening, she's based in Chicago. What types of events are those that you like to gravitate towards? Would they be media events, women's events, dietetic events, food brand events? Like, What is it that you kind of look into? Yeah, definitely. So I definitely like the media events. I definitely like the, there are some brands located here in Chicago that'll host events, which are always a great time. Um, recently, I've, I've kind of vowed to branch out a little bit more too. So I'll attend like some fitness in- events here in Chicago, which is not like a huge stretch for me, obviously. Um, and I'm trying to think what else. Having a dog has opened me up to the dog and mom community here in Chicago. So attending those types of events, um, attending small events in my community, even it's it is crazy, but I. I wish that I had kept a food, I mean, not a food diary, a business journal during my first year of working for myself because so many opportunities came by way of meeting a person. Honestly, it was like meeting someone in an Uber who like happened to work for so-and-so or happened to want to talk with a dietitian. And, and there were so many things like that that had led me to different opportunities, not only like to work with brands, but to see nutrition clients. And so again, I'd say putting yourself out there in the community can go such a long way because it ends up being, again, a small community. And so they know you're an expert in XYZ and they'll 
keep coming back to you. That's great. And I love that business journal tip. I think that's something that it sounds like a good idea and then we just forget to do it. Um, that's really powerful. Super, I, I super powerful. Remember. Yeah. And I think it could be kind of like a mix of a business and gratitude journal. Just like, mm-hmm. wow, this happened by way of this. And, you know, I'm so thankful for XYZ. I think that's kind of what I wish I did. It, it's something that I do a little bit more now because I'm like, how did that happen? How did that opportunity present present itself? And so it's fun to look back on too. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And it, it's also a nice way, as, as I mentioned, building your voice and using social media as a part of your journey and to support the networking and everything that you do, whether it's working with brands or connecting with other dietitians, keeping that type of journal, specifically a blend of business and gratitude, can help you, you know, as a, as a dietitian, overcome imposter syndrome and just every day and every week and every month and every season be grateful of where you are and how far you've come. Because I know a lot of us fall into the comparison traps and we feel like we're not sure if we're doing good enough. And if you look at your personal progress and your professional progress that you've tracked, it can really be amazing and eye-opening to see um, what you've what you've done. Absolutely. And, you know, one last thing back on networking, too. I think, obviously, there's so much focus on social media these days and being on social media, growing your social media, which, of course, is all well and good and an important aspect of, of business these days. But that's not to say that we've lost all of, like, the in-person importance because I think that is so important, like, real in-person FaceTime with people that – maybe you want as a mentor or people that you look up to or people that you want to know like what they're doing in their career. I think that literally that literal in-person FaceTime is is so important and and totally underrated in in our social media world. I agree. And even though my business, my full-time business is social media and to help dietitians use social media to promote their their brand I, and their business, I will say that what I have done and created and what I teach is using social media to support what you also do in person. And I can say firsthand that building my my profile online and supporting that by making connections in person has helped. They work together and any opportunity that you have, although networking is not the most popular topic from my podcast episodes, um, I think it is probably the most important. And just, you know, yes, building your presence and building your online, but then you got to go out and also make those face-to-face connections, whether they're local or global or whether it's fancy or whether you're doing, you know, like what Maggie said, a dog mom event, things like that, you know, putting yourself out there and getting used to working with other people. Ideally, there'll be people in your niche, but just getting yourself out there at all is important. Uh, Really, really helpful to strengthen the work that you do online. I 100% agree. Yeah. And so when people tell me things like, oh, how am I not growing fast enough or what can I do? I say to them, you know, it's social media is an important piece and it's one piece. And like, let's take a look at the big picture. Let's look at your visibility plan. So I've noticed a theme with media dietitians and I would say that they all leverage social media and leverage events in person, out of state, um, all of that. So I think it's it's great to hear that common theme that you um, also advocate for, which is getting yourself actually out there, whether it's with your dog or whether it's um, you or maybe you with some, some friends or colleagues. 
So I wanted to ask a little bit because of your um, interesting background, if you could talk about working at a, a highly ranked global PR firm and how that experience has shaped who you are today and the work that you put out. Yeah, so this is where I started my career as a dietitian in PR, and mm -hmm. I'm so grateful and thankful for this opportunity because it really molded my nutrition communications knowledge. Um, I never took a business class in my undergrad in dietetics, um, so I didn't, I honestly did not know what I was getting myself into at all. Um, I, but day, from day one, not only did it, it teach me the importance of clear communication, but it, it taught me a lot about the nutrition world through a different lens. Um, we were representing different food brands, which was amazing to kind of see the process behind the scenes, if you will, and how they wanted to engage their community and tell their story. So working that way and kind of seeing how brands increase their visibility, how brands go about um, their kind of business structure or go about communicating with dietitians or you know, what's the best way to deliver a nutrition message that's maybe very bland, mm -hmm. <laughs> but we want to make it exciting so that people get excited about this product and want to have it and want to include it more into their diet. So it helped me to really hone in on my own personal communication, number one, and, and nutrition communications. Um, so I feel like it gave me a lot of great writing experience. It gave me a lot of um, great, I, I mean, I would say like FaceTime with people in person as well. And that is why I underscore that in my own business, because going out there and kind of being a representative for another brand was one of my, um, one of my jobs. And so having that FaceTime with other dietitians, seeing what they were doing, um, hearing about what they were doing in the community or in the media really showed me the importance of making those connections. Um, so I'd say like the communication, like online and email and then in person, like were two things from working at a PR firm that have been so invaluable to me. That's really great. I love that reflection. And then can you speak a little bit more about brand work since I know that's a huge part of what you do. I know that dietitians often ask you this. Is there any other tidbits, thoughts, or reflections that you want to share about working with brands? Yeah, so I I feel like I talk to, to some people who get very discouraged by it, and I think, you know, it's not necessarily the easiest thing because there's a lot of moving pieces when you do want to work with a brand. How do you contact them? What, what are they looking for? What information should you be giving them? And so one piece of advice there is that um, – you will get a ton of no's before you get that yes, and that is okay. Um, I feel like it's so easy to see on social media, maybe somebody's working with a brand that you want to work with, and you're like, oh, like how did I not get that? And it's so easy to feel so discouraged in that way or feel like you are like not doing the right things. But I think niching down is a huge part of it. Um, positioning yourself as the expert there yep. um, and presenting a plan. So again, I've, I've gotten so many no's, but I'm thankful for them because they've kind of taught me like, okay, here's the direction of yes. Like where do I, um, like what little tweaks do I need to make? Like maybe to how I'm communicating or pitching myself out there. 
Um, so I would say like the, the, the one tip too that I have is like, if you present the plan and you share an idea of like, I want to use your, you know, product and here's why I'm the best fit for it. Um, you'll almost always get a yes. I feel like there's there, they probably get bombarded with pitches and none of them have really like a next step or a plan or an idea. So I'd say use your skill expertise to, uh, give them an idea of what you would do and how you would highlight their amazing product. Um, and that's something that's helped me. That's great. I want to go back to, uh, the nose thing, the, the getting a lot of nose to get a yes. And I, you know, I don't work with brands and I love having you on and talking about that because it's a nice compliment to what I do. I, you know, I'm primarily, I just work with a service-based. So meaning I, uh, help people promote their one-on-one program and then create multiple streams of income through like digital products. And so a lot, when I hear that whole, a lot of no's to get a yes, I immediately think of sales calls and I think of how many times you need to have a sales call for with a prospect in order to have a prospect say yes. And I've talked about this before on my podcast episodes several times about your close rate, how many, you know, out of 10 people who you prospects who you have a sales calls with, if, you know, five of them say yes, you have a 50% close rate. And a lot of dietitians that I work with get very discouraged when they hear the no's, whether it's pitching like you're saying for brand work or whether it's you're trying to promote your service and you're trying to um, find someone who is eligible to purchase your service and they're a good fit. And then if they say no, it's discouraging. So what type of tips do you have to, to give to dietitians, whether they're promoting their service-based business or whether it's a brand deal because a lot of dietitians, they feel so discouraged and it's really hard for them to build up the skill set. And also, I think you just have to understand that's part of the process, but it's not the best way to to say it. Do you have a more eloquent way of saying that you have to hear a certain amount of no's to get a yes and that's just how this goes? So, you know, at first I didn't do this, but now it's something that I love doing. So when I do get a no, I try to just really politely ask why (laughs) and try to get a little bit of feedback, you know, and it's not always a reason that has something to do with you. You know, it could be external factors that are out of your control and you did everything right, but they just can't, you know, make it work at this time. Um, I'm never afraid to continue to follow up after I do get a no later, later on, you know, after some time has passed, or maybe it's a very seasonal thing in my case, and I'll, you know, plan to follow up the next year. And so I, I don't, I don't know, I, I've kind of had to flip the way that I look at no. So I don't look at it as like never and like, bye-bye. I kind of just look at it as like, okay, I can move on. Maybe I'll get some feedback. Maybe I'll work on it. And then maybe when the time is right, it can become a yes. So I, I don't think the door is completely shut especially if you're like very passionate about how it could be a really good fit. And, you know, again, maybe it's an external factor, but I do think too, at the end of the day, like there's gonna, there's going to have to be no's before you can get to that. Yes. But using them a little bit more as a learning experience, like gathering that feedback, um, not looking at them as so like the door is shut type thing, but more like, okay, Uh, The universe has told me I'm not ready for this for any reason, you know, for whatever reason it is right now. But I think like in a year from now, listen, my business is going to have grown. You know, you guys might be in a different place. Like, let's let's try it again. Like, I'm not going to never communicate with you again because 
I'm still passionate about this maybe customer or client or brand. Um, I'm just going to take it as right now is not the best time. So I love your attitude and I think it's a really helpful attitude to have, but I will say you have the attitude being, I would consider yourself like advanced. I guess the concern is for those who are beginner, you have, they have to constantly remind themselves that this is part of the process. You will hear no's. It, a business does not hear 100% yeses. That's just not how it works. And again, we weren't taught these skills in school. So this is something that it kind of almost makes us dietitians feel like it, it, and it enhances the imposter syndrome to hear no's. But I'm constantly reminding dietitians that this is part of business building. And you develop a thicker skin and a better attitude as you progress and I would say hearing no's is a good thing because it's one step closer to hearing a yes, specifically if you're looking at just um, numbers, right? So if you're looking at a close rate of, let's say, 50%, 40%, whatever, an X amount, certain amount of no's means that you really are closer to the yeses. You just have to continue going forward. Um, so I, I hope that those of you listening hear Maggie's advice and are inspired. And then I just want to reiterate that um, keep going. Even if you hear the no's, that doesn't mean no forever. It just means no right now. Yes. And I love that you are getting closer to the yes. Yeah, definitely. definitely. All right. Anything else that you want to leave us with today? It's been um, absolute pleasure hearing about your background, your enthusiasm, your networking skills, your brand work, your niche, and um, even just following your journey on, on social at Once Upon a Pumpkin. It's all been really fun. Yeah, well, thank you again for having me. I'm, I'm so excited to have chatted about this, and it's, a, it's topics that I'm so passionate about. And again, it's I really do think like sharing this information out, you know, loud and clear for other dietitians and other people in the community to hear is so important because it helps all of us. It really does. And as I've like continued to, to go through this really hard in the last two years with my own business, I can only underscore that more. Like the more we chat about it, the more I have conversations with people or mentors, it's like, okay, yeah, like that, that has helped me in some small way. So I kind of want to give it back as well. And so I'm always happy to chat about these topics. Um, if your uh, listeners have any more questions, I'm happy to, to chat with them as well. Well, I appreciate that. And for those of you listening, keep that in mind and let Maggie know and then let me know and we'll go from there. So thank you so much for, for your time. Thank you. Thank you for joining today's episode. If you'd love to learn more about how to get leads online and turn prospective customers into clients, apply for my coaching. I still have a wait list. Go ahead and visit LibbyRothschild.com. That's www.LibbyRothschild.com. Go under signature service and apply for my wait list.